part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. It's Kristen Anderson here, and I just want to talk about what a ride it's been for the Calgary Flames over the past three weeks. This is a team that had lost six straight before a closed-door meeting at St. Louis, and now here they are, seventh in the Western Conference with an 18-13-4 record. They're third in the Pacific Division, and yeah, they have the same exact record as the Edmonton Oilers, so it's been a complete 180-degree turn for this group. Look at how far they've come in the last three weeks. You look at the coaching change and all the drama. We've talked about it many, many times on this podcast, but it's still important to keep that perspective, especially when you look at Saturday's 4 nothing loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. A little bit of a blip. I wouldn't say it's a total setback, but you look at the 2 nothing lead that the Hurricanes established in the second period. That first goal, of course, Jeff Ward challenges it. It's not offside, so they get a penalty and Hurricanes score on that penalty, so all of a sudden it's 2 nothing, and then the Flames gave up a shorthanded goal in the third period, and then an empty netter. The win streak was going to end sometime. You look at David Riddick, he played great, and the Flames did play good in the first, first period, but there's still a lot to process, I think, from that seven-game win streak. You knew it was going to end sometime, and really there's a lot they can take from it moving forward. I think they're more of a more cohesive unit, They've got four lines that they seem to be able to roll. Their defense is a little bit more buttoned down. And they're 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. They have points in their previous nine games, an 8-0-1 record, if you remember. Lots to build on. I think there's lots of positives moving forward as well, especially when you look at the second half of the season. And, you know, I know you'll say, well, the second half of the season really doesn't start until after the All-Star break. You look at what happened to the Flames last year after the All-Star break. Kind of went in the tank after that, but um, really the second half of the season, the exact 41 game mark for the Flames is on December 29th against the Vancouver Canucks. But I would say that these next four games for the Flames are incredibly important to gain momentum before that Christmas break. They want to hit the ground running when they come back from that three-day break. They have four games left before the Christmas holidays. So they've got Pittsburgh on Tuesday and Montreal on Thursday at home. And then it's a quick two-game road trip to Dallas and Minnesota before that Christmas break. So they play on the 22nd and 23rd. And then from there, they disperse, come back on the 26th-ish. They don't technically have to practice, but the Flames play the Oilers on the 27th in Edmonton. They'll fly that morning. They'll have a morning skate in Edmonton, and then they'll be back at it. So these four games are crucial. They have three practices as well. They have Monday's practice, Wednesday, and Friday. So important to get that practice time in, to keep that good time rolling, um, to get those reps in at practice, and to really establish themselves before the break. I think it's incredibly important that they do that. And not that the three-day break really feels like time off. It's like not a lot of time off, but... I think it gives the team a chance to reset and kind of reflect on what's happened because certainly a lot has happened to this group in the last three weeks for sure. So 
takeaways from Saturday's game, I think you look at David Riddick's performance. Um, what, what are they going to do with him in the next couple of weeks or the next four games at least? I know Cam Talbot will probably get one of those two games, either Dallas or Minnesota, the back-to-back scenario. I would like to see David Riddick either get in against Montreal or against Pittsburgh at home, although that's quite a break for David Riddick. I, I think Cam Talbot playing Cam Talbot is so important right now especially you're going to want to save David Riddick until the last half of the season. So why not play Cam Talbot now? You want David Riddick to be fresh towards the end of the season, but it really does feel like the Flames have this new sense of purpose. We'll get into a little bit more to the goaltending after, but I just wanted to talk about this new sense of purpose for this team right now. They seem incredibly focused. Their day-to-day business is has a purpose and it's among the many things that sort of feels fresh about this group. Yeah, the dad rock that we heard during Friday's practice was awesome. And of course, that was young and fresh Mark Giordano's choices, Pearl Jam and Lincoln Park. And we've really been enjoying Jeff Ward's fresh take on a lot of things. But I think that it was really important to hear from him about the progression of Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monahan. It's been an incredible turnaround for those two players specifically. But it was really interesting and I think really relevant what Jeff Ward said about those two players on Friday. First, Jeff Ward will get into a little bit about how Sean Monahan has been able to blend both sides of his game as well as he's playing a little bit more freely. You know, he, he's come in this year, we've, we've talked about it before earlier, um, just how much he's invested himself in trying to become a more complete player, um, playing the 200-foot game. And uh, I think he's transitioned to that now. I think he, he's been able to marry his defensive game with his offensive game more comfortably. I think it's more natural for him now. And as a result, uh, now when he's checking, he's getting chances off his checking, which is, which is nice. So... Um, He's been doing some awful good things. Um, you know, there seems to be real chemistry between him and Michael Backlund now. And of course, we can, you know, we move Johnny in and out of there. We move uh, Dubes there. So um, he's got some skill on both sides. And, and uh, as a result, just based on how hard he's playing and how well he's playing away from the puck, he's starting to get some things happening for himself at the offensive end. No, I mean, he, I think it's mostly to him. You know, we've just we've told all our guys that they need to try and score. Um, and I, I think. You know, they're playing a little bit freer now, too. So when you're playing a little bit freer and you're not squeezing the stick as hard, you know, your uh, your natural instincts take over a little bit more. So um, I think the fact that his work ethic and he's playing with structure, those things allow his skill to come out. And uh, now we're seeing him. He's playing real well for us. Well, he's, uh, you know, I, I think with him, the same thing. He's playing a lot freer now. Um, you know, when you, see, uh, when you see Johnny, you know, get to the red line and, not see a play and put it in deep. You know we're we're making progress with that in terms of um, you know that was an area earlier where there was some turnovers in the in the neutral zone. And, and there are some similarities between Johnny Goudreau's game and Sean Monahan's game in terms of the way that they approach it now. A little bit more free and just a little bit less pressure placed on their shoulders. The same thing with him as Monty an, an awful lot. Like he's he's taking pride in what he's doing away from the puck. Um, it matters to him, and uh, as a result, because they're all working hard away from the puck. They're getting more opportunities to play with it. And so now hes I think he's finding that he's getting the puck a little more. He's getting the puck in places now where he's able to get it where he's moving with speed. You know, he's getting it in pockets where he's away from people. Um, whereas before, not so much the case. It was a lot like he was getting the puck in traffic or when he looked up, there was bodies there on him. But, he, you know, he's hes been able to find spots in the ice now where he can, he can use his skill. And... Uh, 
for us, that's you know that's been a real positive thing. But I think it all comes with the fact that he's just playing freer. You know, the one thing with Johnny is I think he made a conscious effort a couple of weeks ago just to give himself to the team and not worry about all the noise that was happening outside and not worry about the frustration. You know, I think he's just come to the rink. He's enjoyed being around the guys every day. You know, he's having fun. And you can see it. He's smiling on the bench. He's got the Gatorade going again. Everything's great. So, you know, for him, uh, he's been, you know, there's no burden on his shoulders now. And I think earlier he felt like, you know, he had to, he had to carry the team. He had to start scoring. If we weren't scoring, it was his fault. And I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, it, you know, um, it just, from an outsider looking in, and that's what it, that's what it looked like. And uh, now there's none of that. He's just, he's just a member of our team that comes and plays hard and, and plays to his skill set. In just a minute, I want to get into the fourth line and how effective they've been as of late. Talk a little bit about the health of the Flames. They're getting healthy and we'll have to make some decisions on their lineup. And also touch on Taylor Hall. Before Saturday's 4-0 game, the Flames had a few players that were on some nice point streaks. That ended, obviously, Saturday. But I think you could talk about the fourth line in terms of their productivity, in terms of their effectiveness as of late. Michael Froelich is a guy who has had a total turnaround since the coaching change. I think you'd look at his three goals and an assist and points in his previous three games prior to Saturday. This is a guy who a month ago was a healthy scratch for two straight games. I think he's had a nice turnaround. He doesn't feel, I don't think, I talked to him on Friday, and I don't think that he feels like he's a full, full, true fourth liner. There's a lot more in his tank. He's an incredible pro. He's very consistent with his work ethic. I think maybe at this point in his career, he's doing what he needs to do to uh, help the team win, and that is being on the Flames' fourth line right now with Mark Jankowski and Tobias Reeder. So, Interesting to hear Jeff Ward talk about how much of a pro he is and also just how they've been able to match Mark Jankowski's line with other teams' top lines. They did it against Buffalo. They did it against Colorado. And this they've given these, these, these players opportunities, and they've really rose to the occasion. So I just want you to listen to Jeff Ward and what he has to say about the Flames' fourth line and how effective they've been able to be. You know, we've been able to slide them in against anybody else's top six. You know, in all the games that uh, we've had them together, I thought they did a great job against McKinnon's line in Colorado the other night. Uh, we played them against Tavares and uh, Matthews last night in stretches. So we're comfortable with them uh, going out and doing that. But at the, at the same time, they're producing some things offensively. And it's because they're, they're playing with really good structure right now. So, uh, again, you get down to those two things. You, you play with uh, structure and you play with a lot of hard work and uh, it allows your skill to come out and those guys aren't any different than anybody else. For sure, yeah, he's, you know, he, he's an important member of our team. He's one of the guys in our room that's won a Stanley Cup. He, you know, he's been through the wars, he's a real good pro. Um, so he comes to the rink every day, he works hard, he's an example for our young players. And uh, you know, he, he's all about the team, he'll give himself to the team 100%. He's one of the most selfless players I've ever seen or ever been around. So. For him to start getting rewarded, it's nice, and the guys the guys are happy for him because you know he does an awful lot of those thankless jobs that nobody really notices. But at the end of the night, they make a difference in hockey. What we've tried to do is just roll four lines basically, and it's we've we tried to give everybody you know uh, a role and tried to let them know what that role is. And now you know we're challenging them to expand their role. So as a result. I feel like he's he's committed, he's invested, and he's accountable. And as a result, he's playing some really good hockey for us.
The one thing about the Flames this year is their ability to have stayed pretty healthy, other than Sam Bennett, Austin Zarnick, Travis Hamanick for a little while, and Matthew Kachuk the other night. There hasn't really been big, massive injuries, knock on wood. Yusuf Alamaki, of course, was injured in the offseason and hasn't played at all this year, but it was a full practice last Friday as Sam Bennett was back on the ice skating with the team. He was skating for a second straight day. We'll see if he skates and progresses this week, but his return from his shoulder injury appears imminent, and Austin Zarnick, as I mentioned, was recalled from the American Hockey League on Friday, back from his conditioning stint after suffering a knee injury against the Florida Panthers on October 24th. So that meant that they needed to send somebody down. That meant it was Matthew Phillips who didn't get in the game, which I was a little disappointed to see. I would have liked to see him play a game before Christmas at the NHL level, but I think his time will come. I think the Flames really like what he's been able to do at the AHL level, and he's still developing. He's a smaller player, but he's still uh, an interesting element, I think, to their farm team. We'll see him soon, I'm sure, but the Flames are getting healthy, and you have to look at who they would send down if they insert Sam Bennett or Austin Zarnick back in the lineup. And obviously I think that would be Zach Ronaldo who they would send to the farm. So we'll see. That's a developing story this week. And Bennett, by the way, was last seen in action during a 3-0 loss to the Arizona Coyotes on November 16th. That's when we believe that he was injured. He's missed 13 games since then. Staying healthy is so important for this team right now. And moving forward, I highlighted five things in my story for Monday's paper. Just the things that they need before they head into the break, but also heading into the second half of the season in order to keep this thing rolling. So staying healthy was, of course, one of them. They've been really relatively healthy, like I mentioned, for mo- most of the season. And they'll want that health as long as possible as the months drag on and as the hockey gets harder. The other thing too is just keeping this loose feeling going because you know what team doesn't play better when they're loose. It's a simple wish, but um, I think it's the biggest reason why the Flames were able to roll is seven straight games. And they were having fun. They're growing, growing closer as a group and they've been able to get through some pretty heavy stuff off the ice. It's caused them to block out the outside noise and, of course, turn up those tunes. So I think being loose will serve them, serve an incredible purpose for them as they continue on this season. And scoring goals, they need a full balanced effort and balanced scoring attack to move forward. Not everybody's paid to be, be a goal scorer. I get that. But many players bring different elements to the Flames roster other than scoring goals but a balanced scoring attack is key if they want to keep things going splitting up Johnny Goudreau Sean Monahan and Elias Lindholm was so good for them in terms of getting other players involved Johnny Goudreau you've seen move on a line with Sean Monahan and Michael Backlund he starts the game on the third line with Derek Ryan and Milan Lucic well Sean Monahan and Michael Backlund sometimes play with Dylan Dubé put Andrew Mangiapani there sometimes as well few different guys so they've been they have options now and I think that really keeps things fresh but it's also led to contributions from elsewhere in the lineup so the directive from interim head coach Jeff Ward and his staff is to is just to score whenever you have the puck score it's simple but it's worked I think that's something else they need heading into the second half of the season taking less penalties that's another thing the Flames were the fourth most penalized team in the NHL 
uh, heading into Monday's action and heading into Sunday's action rather tied with the Washington Capitals with 143 penalties taken this year. Their 132 minors, that was number one in the league. So they've averaged nine minutes and 17 seconds of penalty kill time per game. And they've been in the penalty box for 325 total minutes. So it's no secret that penalties totally derail a team's momentum. And while this team's penalty kill is pretty good, ninth best in the league at 83.8%, I think being more disciplined should be a point of focus for this group moving forward. And another thing, good goaltending. They've been getting it so far with David Riddick. We know how much he's played. He's played the most minutes of all NHL goaltenders. He's played 30, um, or through 35 games, rather. Riddick has proven that he can handle the number one minutes, but there's still a lot of hockey left to play. He's the go-to guy right now, but um, and he's been able to like lead them through these circumstances, the coaching change, the losing streak, and the, just the general chaos of the last three weeks. It's forced the Flames really to play him more than they would have liked, and not that he's complaining about his league-leading minutes, but I think this type of pace, probably not sustainable. So if they want a long spring, or at least go further than they did last year, they're going to need Cam Talbot to play a little bit. I think in the long term, it means playing him a little less right now. And I think that Cam Talbot has really discovered, rediscovered his game. So that's a good thing. I think that they just need to play Riddick a little bit less, manage his minutes a little bit more, and just explain to him, this is what we need from you moving forward. We need you to just scale back your efforts, scale back your minutes, and that way we can go further in the long term. The last thing I want to touch on is Taylor Hall and potentially where he could land when this is all said and done. Many people say Calgary, suggest Calgary as a potential landing spot for Taylor Hall. He's from here. He spent the first part of his life in Calgary. So there's that connection, obviously playing against the Oilers. But I don't know how feasible this decision is for Bradshaw Living and the Calgary Flames. They're right up against the cap hit. They have very little movement or wiggle room. They have less than $20,000 in cap space. So Bradshaw Living would have to be incredibly creative with his roster in terms of trades, depending on what the Devils want. I've heard that they want maybe an NHL-ready defenseman, potentially a first-round pick for Taylor Hall. And what are Taylor Hall's long-term plans? I don't think the Calgary Flames are interested in something short-term, so they would have to look at the long-term wants and needs of Taylor Hall and if it could fit in their system. And who would they have to give up for him? Would they have to give up an Oliver Shillington, a Yusuf Alamaki, a Rasmus Anderson? I don't know if the Flames would want to do that. They would compromise their long-term plan with their group. And, of course, Rasmus Anderson's contract is up at the end of this season. And I don't think the Flames were wanting to part with somebody like that. It is interesting to discuss what Taylor Hall could bring to the Calgary Flames. He's a former Hart Trophy winner. He's a goal scorer. He's a left winger. I think that he could add a lot to your top six, obviously. Uh, He has... 25 points already this season, six goals, 19 assists in 30 games, not a lot, but I mean, he's not on a very great New Jersey Devils team, but he's been a 30 goal scorer more in the National Hockey League before. I don't necessarily know if the Flames would be willing to part with what they're potentially going to have to part with if that was the case. I know that there's probably a lot of other teams that are in the mix for Taylor Hall, it's such a developing situation and I can't imagine this is very easy for him. I'm sure that he wants this behind him, but 
interesting to talk about. I'm sure that the Flames would love to have another top six bonafide scorer, but you also don't want to upset the apple cart and create a, a tension or potentially throw in a guy who wouldn't fit into the mix. You don't want that scenario, especially so still so early in the season, really, when you think about it, it's not even at the trade deadline yet. So do I think the Flames could use a guy like Taylor Hall? Yes. Do I think they're going to go after them? I'm sure Bradshaw Living has explored options, but do I think they're going to get him? Probably not. I, I wouldn't see this coming to fruition the NHL has a mandatory roster freeze on December 19th for the holiday season, so I wonder if things will get done before that deadline. Other than that, it's just a developing story right now that we're following. Well, that's it for me today. Join me again on Tuesday where I set you up for Tuesday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and update you with any news and notes from Monday's practice. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Kristen Anderson, and this has been Locked on Flames, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.